Hey everybody, I'm Austin Stout. And I'm Patrick Crowley. And this is the longest card, your place for all your Stanford content. Hey Patrick, guess what? Uh, we're in person. We are in person, <laughs> we're in the same place. We're in Patrick's apartment in San Francisco. Reunited at last. It's been lost lovers. It's been a minute, and hopefully your sound quality will be a little bit better for those of you listening at home. At least now I won't have to edit so much. <laughs> Sick! Anyway, we've got a couple announcements for all you Longest Card listeners. Patrick, I think we need a name for our Longest Card listeners. We'll figure that out later. Parties? Parties? <laughs> <laughs> uh, we'll brainstorm that one. But <laughs> Anyway, we are on Apple Podcasts. We are on Google Podcasts. We're on Stitcher, and we're working on getting on Spotify. And so we're still on SoundCloud. Still on still SoundCloud. Still on SoundCloud. Yeah, we're, we're not leaving you, SoundCloud. Don't worry. But anyway, you should spread the word. We are the longest card. You should tell people to listen, and we will then be able to, I don't know, spread our evangelizing of Stanford football. And you know what? It's a good year to be starting a Stanford football podcast. Let yes, me let me tell you. This team we have has a lot of grit and I am beyond stoked for the the last 8 games of our regular season. Can you believe we're a third of the way through already, Patrick? What I really can't believe is that we managed to beat Oregon last Saturday and what was probably the Best college football game I've seen in a couple years. I would agree. Um, let's break it down a little bit. Talking about Oregon, I don't think we should have won this game. Oh, that- God, no. We played like <laughs> absolute shit. <laughs> well, we played like absolute shit for a half. Let's So let's first talk so about we, the first half and then the second half. We, um, we spotted Oregon a couple touchdowns, and we... Yeah. <laughs> and then, well, one could argue that they spotted us a couple touchdowns. Yeah, that's fair. So, for those of you that unfortunately missed the game, you should go back and watch it. I'm sure it's on YouTube somewhere because it was absolutely wild. Yeah. Uh, Stanford, or Oregon went up 14 to 7 before pushing it to 24 24 7 at halftime. At yep. halftime. Uh, the Stanford defense looked lost. The offense was inept against the Oregon front seven. Shaw wouldn't change any of his play calling. Shocker. Shocker. Get it? Shocker. Ah. Uh, and we went into halftime demoralized and, I don't know, I was about ready to turn it off. I didn't believe that Stanford could really turn it around. Well, for the entire first half, we showed no ability to stop Oregon's offense and Justin Herbert, a phenomenally talented quarterback. He's the real deal. He's he is legit. He is going to be a first overall pick in the NFL draft this year or next year. I'm I bet money on it. That guy is a five tool player. He is six foot six, two hundred forty pounds. And you know who he looked like, Patrick? And who did he look like? JD McCoy from Friday Night Lights. He, he looked like JD McCoy, and boy, can that dude throw the freaking ball! Man, he has some nice spin on it. But anyways, um. We showed no ability to stop him and the rest of the pretty talented Oregon offense. And on offense ourselves, we just looked absolutely inept. Bryce Love was getting bottled up. There was no place for him to run. KJ looked a little bit off in the first half. He had a couple nice throws, but no real sustained drives, no real momentum, no continuity in what we were doing. So come around to the second half, however, it's a completely different story, sort of. (laughs) So yeah, the defense kind of got back to its bend-don't-break nature, but Justin Herbert was still definitely able to tear us up. In regulation, 
Uh, he was he only missed two passes, which was an incredible feat, especially because our um, well up until now our defensive backs have looked pretty darn good. However, uh, we well Oregon had driven the ball a couple times down the field and looked like they had just scored to push the game out of reach at 31 to 7 um when they called the touchdown back because the Oregon he, he player had the kicked, out, the pylon, kicked the pylon yep. but he was behind the pylon and apparently the rule says um the pylon both extends the end zone and the sideline right so it's the right call it's it just a little is a little bit weird because later about i don't know like 20 minutes later we saw bryce love get a touchdown in very similar circumstances that was ruled a touchdown well he and had just gone because, inside the pylon right but he also didn't like touchdown in the end zone. I mean, it, it, it right. just looked very similar it looked like they were calling it two different ways but right. but technically the, the referees did get it right and that's why we have replay but anyways, the the important takeaway was that Oregon was on the one yard line. They got a penalty, and then their center, poor Joey Hansen, two fumbles, just really screwed up on this one. Snapped it way over poor Justin Herbert's head, which is hard because the dude is like six foot fucking six. <laughs> and Joey Alfieri Joey picks it up, takes it for a touchdown. Huge momentum swing. Also a fourteen point swing. They were about to score a touchdown. Instead, we scored a touchdown. And that was the first time Stanford really looked like they had any sort of life. So at that point, the game is, was it 24-21 at the end of the the third quarter? Yeah, Stanford Stanford made a drive at the end of the third quarter to score 24 and to to bring it into 24-21. Then I believe um, Oregon went for a drive to extend it. Uh, to 30... It would be 28. Or 31-21. 30, 31-21. 31-21, and then we scored a touchdown, and then we tied the ball game. Yeah. Um, on a great, a on a great jet toner field goal. Great what a guy. What a guy. Best name in college football. It's a hot take. I don't, I'm, not, I'm not sure you have, the, you have the chops to back that one. There's some pretty Patrick good ones out there. three points on the board every damn time. <laughs> jet toner has the look of a... Very consistent NFL kicker, and we're we're lucky to have him on just, our team. Just prints three points just, on the board. He's automatic. There's there's Jet nothing more you can say. Ink. Our our kickers and Jake Bailey too. Jake Bailey had some monster punts. He was really one if of, we didn't have Jake Bailey in this game, we lose. Yeah, because we he was consistently just able to knocking him back. So we would be in our own end zone. He'd knock him all the way back inside their twenty yard line. He just has a monster of a leg and then every single kickoff he just drills through the uprights pretty much but the guy the guy can boot the freaking ball we have to point out that um again stanford shouldn't have been able to put that field goal in because we got lucky again with turnovers uh in the biggest twist of the game in the biggest twist of the game stanford got stuffed out of the ogre package for those of you that don't know that's the package where Shaw has, I think, seven down linemen, the quarterback, two fullbacks who are also linemen, I think, and then Bryce Love or whoever the, the tailback or something, yeah. yes, or whoever the tailback might be to thousands count. of pounds of beef on the field, right? To and the only point is to push the other team one yard to get that extra. Um, Raymond Wright, for instance, was a 
it's a good ogre specialist. Yeah. He was able to jump over the line and consistently. So get the, the, the real yards. problem is with with the ogre, and we we faced some issues with this most notably against USC last year that probably cost us the Pac-12 title. Is everybody knows what the fuck is going to happen, right? When you right. when you run the ogre, there's no play action. There's no variability. It's just a straight run up the middle. It says our big guys are going to blow you off the ball. And what Oregon really showed is that that was just not the case. They got great penetration into the backfield. They really beat us up there. And it, it's something we're going to have to seriously consider in these short yarded situations. We might have to mix it up, spread out the field a little bit and put our guys in a position, give the ball to Bryce Love and let him get a yard on his own. Um, versus just trying to blow people off the ball because it seems like they have some strategies and it just hasn't been as effective over the past few years as it was, say, during Andrew Luck's tenure with, right. with Ramon Red even then. I think uh, the last year was really effective was Christian McCaffrey's sophomore uh, year. Sophomore yeah. year, yeah, that was the last year we had a monster O line that could really, I don't know, push the other team. Uh, I think part of that has had to do with Stanford. I don't know. Our, our OL coach got hired away to Rice, and they just haven't really been able to. Uh, I don't know. Put the same offensive line on the field as far as the run game goes. Last year had some explosive nature, but wasn't really able to get like three, four yards. Just consistently move the ball like David Shaw wants. But um, yeah, I mean it's it's tough. It's also tough when everybody knows exactly what you're gonna do. Like when the ogre package true. comes out on the field. There's no surprise that we run it right up the gut and have a guy jump. I mean, it's just... Didn't we fake it against... Going back to Christian McCaffrey's sophomore year, I swear we faked it against either Iowa or Colorado. We... I don't know. I mean, like, it's certainly there for us to do, but I I just think that at a certain point, when you need to get one yard, there are more efficient ways to do it, there are more consistent ways to do it, and there are other things to consider in the process. Speaking of efficiency and consistency, KJ Costello went 19 for 26 for 327 yards and three touchdowns with zero interceptions. KJ is a gamer. He's a gamer. He's a solid member of the team who's not going to be a... He's our quarterback. He's, he's the real deal. He's okay. the real deal. Coming into the year, we had high expectations, and through four games, he's shown he's a leader. He can really throw the ball quite well, and this offense, when he's allowed to throw and sort of make his own decisions, like our, our two-minute offense, has looked incredible. L-I-T lit. L-I-T lit. Absolutely. So, it KJ played really quite well down the stretch, scored, uh, passed the game when he touched down to Colby Parkinson on an incredible little volleyball sort of maneuver <laughs> that uh, where I was watching the game, we all went crazy after that. Um, and so I, I, I think this guy's the real deal. I think he's really got the chops. I mean, this is really, he's only started for, well, this is like maybe his 11th or 12th game starting in college football because he started like half the season last year. Maybe not even. Maybe this is just like his 10th game. I think he did four or five last year. Yeah, when... plus another four so yeah. far. So, I mean, he's he's probably approaching his 10th start and it's just night and day from when he started to, to where he is now. He really has the confidence of the team in him. He trusts his receivers. And I think that we have the potential to have something really special on offense going down the stretch as we continue to optimize this playbook, as we continue to get guys like St. Brown involved, keep getting it to JJ, use these tight ends more, and then it's just going to open up the field. 
yeah. Weddington get back. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And just going to open up the field even more for Bryce Love. So this this team right now has so many weapons. It's just a matter of putting the guys in open space, getting them the right position, and getting them the ball. So we have an embarrassment of riches on offense at, at the moment, as opposed to last year when it seemed like we really were only able to get the ball moving with Bryce Love. So I'm quite excited about that, and I really hope that against Notre Dame, we're going to be able to open up this playbook a little bit, think outside the box, do some stuff that's been a little bit different, because Lord knows we need to do it. We do need to do it. That being said, I want to give a shout out to the defense in the second half, who really woke up and only allowed one touchdown opposed to 24 points in the first half. They really, uh, they saw the gauntlet was thrown down and eventually woke up. And I want to give a specific shout out to Paulson Adebo, who had, I think, three pass breakups in overtime. Yeah, they were picking on him, and he backed it up. And he backed it up. So good for the true freshman, Paulson Adebo. That's he's, impressive. That's re- it's really impressive. He's going to be a good thing to have around in a couple of years. I, I think he's a good thing to have around right now. I'm Absolutely. Super clutch. You're an OT against the team that's been dominating you through the air. And that, that, I remember the pass breakup, full extension. It looked like they were going to score the touchdown. Gets like two... Gets like his pinky on it, like maybe his ring finger, and like he shoves just that ball. Just yeah. Oh my gosh! Not to mention the ball it was a work that of hit art. his head that may have been past interference. Ah, he was looking. His head was turned around. His <laughs> head was turned. Ball, ah, that 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 that. His head was turned around. He just turned the wrong way. Uh, he's he's gonna be a special player, and and he's already turning into one of our better quarterbacks, which is. Really exciting. Very exciting. Let's move on to Notre Dame. Notre Dame blew Wake Forest out of the water, putting up 56 points, I think, for the first time this year after switching from Brandon Wimbush to Ian Book. Um, Notre Dame is 4-0 with their only quality win being against Michigan the first week of the season. That one hurt? That one did hurt. I hate Notre Dame, for all of you that don't know. I They're, they're, they're the fighting Irish. These Irish, why must they fight, Patty? Why must they fight? You're Irish, do you fight? Uh, I try not to. <laughs> <laughs> I, do, I do my best. Um, but a little bit more about this Notre Dame team. They play pretty good defense. They haven't allowed that many points on the board. They've got some. They've got a solid front seven like uh, Oregon. Oregon does. Yeah. does. And... It'll be, an, it'll be a real test for Stanford. I don't see Notre Dame being better than Oregon was, just based on... Um... Notre Dame hasn't really played anybody. They played Michigan, but Michigan wasn't fully into the season yet. The first game, they always start slow under Harbaugh. Then they really struggled against Ball State. And they didn't play a great and game Vanderbilt. against... And Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt's the weakest team in the SEC by a mile. And they didn't play a great game against Wake Forest either. I mean, they still let up 27 points to a Wake Forest team that's... I mean, they're in the ACC, not not the cream of the crop in in the football world. So they haven't been pushed a whole lot. And they they haven't really blown anybody out of the water either. But that being said, they're number eight in the country. They're 4-0. They have real talent. They have real talent. There's there's no questioning that they're loaded on both sides of the ball. Um, And this is going to be an absolute battle. So, other things to keep in mind. Stanford's coming off an emotional high after this win against Oregon. Are they going to be able to keep that same energy and focus? Is this going to drive into them? Or is there going to be a let off at the start of this game? And it's worth noting that we really didn't come out against Oregon with any sort of gumption. So, starting against Notre Dame with some energy, some passion, some fire is going to be an absolute must because we don't want to dig ourselves out of another 24-7 hole. 
Right, and there's a couple things I want to point to. One, people are looking at Ian Book, uh, Notre Dame's new quarterback, like he's Tua Tagovailoa. He scored, he, he led Notre Dame to 56 points against Wake Forest, and that was good. No one can deny that 50-piecing a team is, um, is not a strong feat. It's not indicative of a strong team. But that being said, this is Wake Forest. This is a Wake Forest team that lost to Boston College, who got skunked, well, not skunked, who got wrecked by a now 1-3 Purdue the next week. Um, and while Boston College might be a good team, it just seems like the ACC isn't shaping up so well, which is also indicative of Wake Forest. I'm, I'm just not buying the hype on Notre Dame that people have been louding onto Ian Book after one win. Right. He's, they haven't played anybody like Stanford yet, and it's also worth noting that their running back, Jafar Armstrong, number eight, is missing against Stanford, and he's been a key guy in some of their games. So, things to keep in mind, Notre Dame is on a quarterback. This is just a second start, I believe. Yeah. They're missing their running back. They're playing at home, which is a big advantage for them. It's a big advantage for Notre Dame to play at home. But they're going up against a Stanford team, and they haven't faced anybody, I think, who's able to hurt them on both sides of the ball like this team can. They played Michigan. Michigan has a really good defense. Michigan's offense has been questionable. And I think Stanford has a a number number Um, of of weapons on both sides of the ball that can really put them in danger. I want to point out the main difference between Michigan and Stanford right now, and that's the O-line play. Michigan has a solid interior offensive line, but the tackles are suspect every single time the quarterback drops back to pass. And so... Knowing this, the um, the Michigan coaches have been reluctant to let Shea Patterson, uh, I don't know, run the offense and rip, just yeah. I don't know, gunsling, throw the ball. Op- like a p- in contrast to this, Stanford's been a been exquisite in pass protection, even though the running game has been. A little bit suspect, but we've still been able to move the ball against. Um, well, now that this team has been tested, quality teams. Yeah, the quality team. We were able to move the ball when we needed to. Um, it, it's also worth noting that Oregon's was Jesse Burkett, our center's first game back. He looked a little bit slow at the start of the game, but I think he's going to be able to pick it up. And he's really the heart and soul of the line. He's the one who makes all the calls. He's a senior. He's experienced. He's a smart guy. He's really the anchor of our offensive line. So I think having him back from injury is is a huge help, especially for these two games, which might shape up to be some of the more important games of the season, Mm -hmm. especially looking at how these teams are ranked. And I think Oregon has the potential to either run the table. I think they're going to put up a big fight against Washington. That I think Oregon's a good football team. I think yeah, 20 is I 20 is a is a bit low of a ranking for them. I think they're a I top 15 team. Solid top 15 team. Um, and first time I really watched Justin Herbert play a full game and I was that that guy I was is very impressed. This is the real deal. I wasn't sure about Oregon coming in. Um, I think their front seven is is quite solid and I think their quarterback is <laughs> homeboy can throw. I like I'm I'm nervous about future Oregon games to the point of like it seems like Mario Cristobal is doing a great job at Oregon. Their O line absolutely dominated our defensive line. I don't think Stanford is going to win every game against Oregon as we have been since like 2014 or so. Mm, um, no, we lost the big one. We lost one of them, but that was three years ago. Yeah. It's it's it, I mean the past I don't know eight years have just been a good series against Oregon. Either it's been like a nail biter game that went to overtime or last minute field goal like the one we saw, or it's the, team, get gets, the team gets blown out yeah. in one way or the other. So it, 
it's going to get even. Um, and that's I, I think that's a good thing. I think the Oregon Stanford rivalry is actually one of the the better, better the better football yeah. rivalries in the Pac-12 and in, in the past decade. Uh, what are you looking for from uh, Stanford in this game against Notre Dame? Well, I, I said it earlier, and I'll say it again. I'm looking for them to come out and start the game with physicality, with effort, with some creative play calling, and really just not asleep like they did, like how they started against Oregon. I think that's just absolutely unacceptable, and we're really lucky to get out of there with a win. It's great we did. It shows that we have a lot of grit and we're willing to fight to the end of the game, but we can be in a much easier position. We can mix it up on offense a little bit. We can get our guys the ball in different situations, and we can go out there and really attack Oregon on defense. We're going to push this quarterback, I think. We're going to make him really show if, if he's good enough to be in this game. And I, I'm not convinced he is. He played a Wake Forest defense once. So against against the Stanford defense that showed a lot of grit and experience, I think that's going to be a big test. And I'm looking for us to, to get some turnovers. We've had good success when we've been able to turn over the other teams. Three key turnovers last week against right. Oregon. The fumble that Joey Alfieri returned for a touchdown, the fumble that got us the ball back, and the interception in OT that really sealed the game. So going down the line, looking for that defense to continue putting pressure on the quarterback, continue playing strong against the run, and, and really slowing them down. I highly doubt Notre Dame is going to be able to move the balls effectively against Oregon, but as Oregon was. But any, regardless, I, I think this should be a wake-up call for our defense to, to focus in in that first half. I agree. Something I'd like to see from Stanford this next game against Notre Dame is I want to take I want to see our O line and the run game take a step forward. They've been pretty middling, and maybe that's been the play calling, maybe that's been the coaching, but they've been kind of getting dominated by these teams with better talent. Um, where maybe I, I wouldn't even say better talent. We have five star recruits across our offensive line. Right, but I'm I'm saying better talent in terms of like across college football, the more talented teams have been able to dominate our O-line despite all these five-star recruits. Um, so I want to see them be able to block a little bit better for Bryce Love, see him pop more consistently, not even like long runs, just consistently get like four, five, six yards. Yeah. Um, because I feel like that's the one place our offense has been lacking, even though that's the place that we've sort of expected our offense to be in. Um, and so... While Notre Dame has a solid defense, I don't think that they'll be able to. Um, maybe, maybe that's not the case, but I want to see more progress towards that. Can, do you have a prediction for us, Patrick? Well, I, I want to. I want to go back real quick to our notes the previous week. One thing I asked for specifically was a wheel route to Bryce Love, and that's one thing they actually did run. While he was triple covered on that play, <laughs> we still threw him the ball, but just. That the creativity, the willingness to try to get him the ball outside of just like a power right, power left, quick pitch, dive sort of mentality, I think is really powerful. And I think when you put him out of the backfield, he's such a weapon. Teams are going to key in on him. And if you do that, mm -hmm. guess who's going to be open? One of our other NFL caliber wide receivers or tight ends. Absolutely. You know what we also saw in this game against Oregon? A pass to JJ in stride. And that was... Oh! <laughs> JJ has seven touchdowns through the first four games. He has 400 receiving yards. He is... Oh, man. Just watch it. <laughs> he is impossible to stop. He's great. Yeah. Uh, and, they, yeah, we'll see if they'll be able to key in on him. So, last week, I think I said 38... Or I said 45-31, I think was my score, like yes. Yep. Score was 38-31... 
Uh, at a certain point, it didn't look like it was going to get there, but it did. So the score estimate was not that far off. Do you remember what you said last week, Austin? I said 28-24 last week. Yeah, again, pretty close. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this week, I'm still going Stanford. I think since our team showed some grit, I think they're able to like get into these bigger games a little bit faster, being prepared that they weren't last week. And so last week was a good spark. I think Stanford, I don't think they run away with this one per se, but I think we go 35-24. Yeah, I'm thinking 31-21. I, I, again, Notre Dame's missing Jafar Armstrong. He's a key player for them. Quarterback's second start in his career. We're coming off a big win. I'm hoping we can keep some of that energy going. And I, and I really think we're going to unleash a little bit more of the offense this week and, and push Notre Dame on both sides of the ball in the way they, they maybe haven't been tested so far this season. Totally. All right, let's move on to the Pac-12. Wait, first, Patrick, we should hear from our sponsors. Haha. <laughs> <laughs> if anyone else there wants to sponsor us, yeah. we're here. We're waiting for you. We're waiting for you. We have um, a growing listenership. Have, I, uh, what, you, what you could do in our sponsorship segment is give us a follow on Twitter, at LongestCard. That is LongestCard on Twitter. We don't currently have any tweets as of time of recording this podcast, but I promise you they will be coming and they will be witty. <laughs> that, is a, that is a personal guarantee. You can take that to the bank. <laughs> and anyways, yeah, if you want to sponsor us, you can DM us on Twitter or, I don't know, just communicate with me or Austin. We're, we're pretty open to, to anybody at this point. Alrighty. Uh, looking at the Pac-12 this past week, uh, Stanford-Oregon was the premier game of the week. Stanford won again, 38-31. Go card. Go card. In uh, the other, well, we had a couple of good matchups this week, actually. Washington beat Arizona State 27-20. Herm Edwards has solid game plans, and I think even though this was a loss, I watched the end of this game after the Stanford game. Um their quarterback struggled a little bit, mostly because of dropped passes. But mm-hmm. uh, I think Herm Edwards successfully game planned around uh, Arizona State's strengths and Washington State's strengths, and I'm still uh, in on calling them for the Pac-12 South. Really? Yeah. Talking of good games, the Washington State USC game was a bit of a nail biter. Bit of a barn burner. Oh my goodness. USC won this game 39-36 and some last-second heroics. That's a good look for USC to kind of get back on the right track. If USC lost this one, uh, I'm not sure Clay Helton would still be the coach. Right. There'd be some calls for his head. Uh, and then Arizona blew out Oregon State 35-14. And... That's that's not a difficult. that's not a big surprise. If I recall yeah. last week, you were making some utterings about I Oregon know. State being the real deal, I and say, and I I came in and said Khalil Tate is much better than anybody on that Oregon State and team, and that proved to be the case. I'm gonna quote last week. I said I can see this game being either way close, and then I stopped myself <laughs> from saying that either one could also blow out the other. I I thought or, or Arizona had more talent than Oregon State. But I also think that um, you can tell that Washington losing their QB coach, who is now the head coach at Oregon State, has kind of, well, it's influenced uh, Jake Browning's efficiency and 
Um, not so much ability, it's just, it's, it's been noticed at Washington. They yeah. haven't really been able to pull away from lesser competition. Yeah. I think that's worth noting. All right. Let's look ahead. I want to say, I want I want to bring something up, Patrick. Uh-oh. Cal is ranked. Oh, wait, what? Cal is number 24. Oregon what Cal in... is a ranked matchup this week. What in tarnation? Who in their right mind voted for the University of California at Berkeley Golden Bears to be in the top 25? They're not in the top 50 teams in this country. It's That's the insane. Same that is absolutely Michigan That is absolutely insane. If Oregon doesn't <laughs> walk all over these chumps, I am going to be absolutely shocked. Can we get a score prediction from Oregon UC Berkeley? 35-7. 35-7. UC Berkeley gets blown out of the water. They've played nobody so far. They've shown no real ability. They are cow. They are not a good football program. They're a second-tier school that's lucky to be in the Pac-12. It's insane that they're in the top 25. And Justin Herbert and the Oregon Ducks are going to come and kick them down back to their place in the mediocrity of college football. <laughs> I agree. I think Oregon's going to win this one big. Uh, looking <laughs> at a Friday night game, UCLA, Colorado. Who you got? Colorado. Colorado. We, gotta go. We, gotta go. Colorado. We're filming this on Friday night, so like, this game might be going on right now. Uh, I think that my kickoff uh, in a few. UCLA may get it together towards the end of the season, but yeah, I think yeah. Colorado is going to beat them. Utah Wazoo. That has some potential to be a good game. I think Utah. That wins really one. does. Um, it, it's a classic matchup of the air raid offense versus the, the opposite of the air raid whatever utah runs <laughs> like the classic pittsburgh steelers play a lot of defense and run <laughs> the ball well um i i agree i think i think utah has a slight edge um i'm not sure how washington state's gonna react to blowing that lead against usc so they might come out a little bit sluggish a little bit disappointed and i think utah has a bit of a chip on its shoulder, and I think they're they're trying to prove they're the best team in the South, and I think that a win against Washington State will, will go a long way to do that. Uh, you say that Utah's trying to prove themselves the best team in the South. Do you think they're the best team in Utah? Wow. Uh, I think BYU is the most inconsistent team in college football. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Because they lost to Cal? Yeah, because they lost to Cal. I refuse to accept that Cal's the real deal. Um <laughs> I, I, I'd be surprised if they're not. I think Utah has certainly a much more talented team. Do, do they play BYU this year? Do you know? uh, yeah, you, the, they play every year. Their rivalry game is called the Holy War. <laughs> <laughs> Love those Mormons. Uh, Washington, BYU. I think Washington wins this one. I think it's another closest game. I think Washington wins by 10, 31, 21. Yeah. Um... I'm I'm less convinced about BYU. I think they got a little bit lucky against the Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think they kind of caught Wisconsin off guard. They're not going to catch Washington off guard. Washington's going to study up. They're going to be focused for this game. I think Washington wins by two touchdowns. Alrighty, moving right along. Oregon State versus Arizona State. Yeah, it's going to have to be Arizona State here. Herm Edwards and the boys rebound after a tough week against Washington. I. I Contrary to, to what we were saying at the beginning of this season, I think Herm Edwards might actually be a pretty good college football coach. Which just means, well, it's sort of the, the Gruden experiment. Do you think 
Gruden's a good coach for the Raiders after taking that time oh. off. So I, it's tough to compare the two. The Raiders are three plays away from being 3-0. and mm-hmm. Instead, they're 0-3. So <laughs> right now, it doesn't look too terribly good. Maybe they're 0-2. I think they're 0-3, though. It doesn't look like they're too terribly good, but they could end up rallying. But I, I don't think so. It, it's tough when you sign a guy to a 10-year contract who hasn't coached in a decade. <laughs> I think that's a phenomenally stupid move. But, but you could say both have been solid at putting together game plans to keep their teams in the game. Yeah, that's fair. So the the one critique I have of John Gruden is he puts together a good game plan and then he doesn't adjust from it. So it, when they were playing, I think they were playing the Rams and they started off to, they had a pretty good lead against the Rams. Started off, went to halftime, Gruden and the Raiders come out, do the exact same thing. McVay and the Rams come out, brand new strategy, blow them out of the water in the second half. So I, I think halftime adjustments are, are an area where he could certainly improve. And I, I haven't watched much of Herm Edwards yet, but it, it might be an area where he can improve too. Having a good game plan is one thing. Being willing to adjust it, I think, is another. You bring up good points, Patrick. Uh, next, USC Arizona. This actually has the makings of a really good game. Elaborate. Uh, USC hasn't played particularly well this season. Neither yeah. has Arizona. They both have very talented teams and talented players on those teams. I'm curious to see if JT Daniels can finally get his feet under him this game and play consistently for a full four quarters. And I really want to see Khalil Tate unleashed. It looks like he was starting to, to get a bit of a hang of it against Oregon State. So if he has some momentum, he's pretty much impossible to stop when he's allowed to run the ball on offense. So I, I think this might be a little bit of a high-scoring shootout. Um, I, I give SC a slight edge here uh, just because outside of Khalil Tate, I don't think Arizona has a whole lot. Um, okay, that's fair. I think USC pulls away in the second half. I'm pretty sure this is at home for USC. I think it's just going to... Um, well, they've kind of started slow the past couple of years. Maybe they can pull it together like they have uh, or like they did with uh, Darnold at quarterback. So, yeah, I'm going USC pulling away to a 17-point win in the second half. Say 17 points? Wow. Yeah. Say... That's a... It's a big yeah, call. Yeah, 34-17, USC misses an extra point. Hmm. That's a very specific call. I think Khalil Tate's <laughs> worth at least three touchdowns on his own, but <laughs> we shall see. USC we does shall have a, see. Yeah, I don't know. Um, be interesting. Looking around the country, your hype train, the Hawaii Rainbow Warriors, plays San Jose State. Um, Hawaii's going to win that one. Yeah, it shouldn't be much of a struggle for the Rainbow Warriors. San Jose State has struggled pretty mightily. They lost to UC Davis, for God's sake. Right. Um, what else? The biggest game where game day is, is Penn State, Ohio State. That should be a good game if Penn State doesn't start slow like they have been. Um, I'm going to say... Penn State's still recovering from a bit of a Saquon hangover. I disagree. I think Miles Sanders has been their best player. Nah, what's the quarterback's name? Trace McSorley. Trace McSorley's pretty good. Trace McSorley's pretty good. He's pretty darn good. He's no KJ Costello, but he's pretty good. (laughs) Fair enough, fair enough. Um, I think that... Oh, what was this game? Um... 
Army and Buffalo will be a very exciting game. You've got two under or well, Army now has one Army, loss. Army almost pushing. beat Oklahoma. Army last almost week. beat Oklahoma. We'll see how Buffalo took some Kyler the, Murray magic to right. get him through it. But Buffalo is one of the better group of five teams that um, may not deal with the run so well. Uh, and those are really the only big games. Who does Bama play this week? Bama plays. Uh, the Louisiana Raging Cajuns. Who you got? I'm gonna go Tua and the boys. Tua gets five touchdowns before he sits the second half. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Um, Iowa State plays TCU. Iowa State won this one last year, so maybe that'll be interesting. Most of the bigger games this week. Didn't TCU already drop one? TCU dropped one to Texas. Yeah. Is Texas back? Oh, I. I don't think so. I Texas lost to Maryland to start the season, but they have they have gone undefeated since. I'll grant them that. They're th- are they three and one now? Uh, yep, three and one. Okay, I'm gonna beat, say beat Texas SC. is not bad. They're we'll not see. Bad. We'll see. We'll see. We'll, not s- we'll see what happens when they play Oklahoma. Right. Um, I think that's gonna be the big test because that's clearly the the cream of the crop in the Big Twelve these days, and has been for for a number of years. I think Kyler Murray is the real deal. Kyler you, you he is a walking highlight reel. Yes, oh my he is. goodness. And it's it's good for him that he's going to go play baseball and have a, a nice long successful career as a top 10 baseball pick without getting CTE. It's worth noting that he has made an intelligent decision. But it's too bad that we don't get to watch him play more football because he is Could you say he used his head, Patrick? Yeah, he used his head and he is one electric son of a gun. All righty. I'm not seeing any other big games that I'd be excited to watch, um, except for one that I'm going to bring up in my hot takes. Patrick, do you have a hot take for us? Why don't you start off, and then I'll, I'll come back at you. All right. First, I've got to apologize for my myriad of takes last week as I grasp at straws for something to reach out for me, but I've got one this week, and I'm pretty confident about it. Uh-oh. Syracuse is going to beat Clemson. Oh, really? Yeah. In basketball? <laughs> <laughs> no, in football, Patrick. They play this week. They're both 4-0. Syracuse has rolled all of their competition, except for Western Michigan, which was a bit of a shootout, but that just shows that Syracuse can put up points. They nearly blanked uh, Florida State. and By all means, Florida State's not a good team, but they do have a solid defense, and they still put up 38 points against them. Um... Not to say that Clemson has been suspect, but Clemson lost to Syracuse last year, and they could come into this one sleeping a little bit. Um, Syracuse's defense has been solid. Their quarterback is a physical player that is a uh, also a running threat. I think this is one. This is this is one to watch. At I I like that. I I think that's a perfectly legitimate hot take, and I think you've got some beef to back it up. Um, my hot take, if Chip Kelly drops this game, he's done at the end of the season. He's going, he's coming back to the Pac-12. He's going to start 0-4 against Colorado, and that's just absolutely unacceptable for how much money they're paying him. Uh, it's tough to recover from an 0-4 hole. I think he's already lost the locker room. I think if Chip Kelly and his boys don't rally against Colorado tonight, might as well dig himself his own grave. So I'm... <laughs> Ooh, that got spicy real quick. <laughs> um, 
I'm going to argue against this. There's been a whole bunch of uh, new coach blowback. Willie Taggart is getting a whole bunch of blowback for crap that Jimbo left them in. Um, UCLA is 0-3. Yeah, and you know why they're 0 3? They haven't played Jim anybody. Moore left them nothing. Oh, UCLA has enough talent to beat Cincinnati, to beat Colorado, to beat these teams. You know who else who is 0 3? The Nebraska Cornhuskers. To beat Fresno State. And then, granted, they should have lost to Oklahoma. That was a perfectly reasonable game to lose. Um, and but, but UCLA has a tough stretch of schedule coming up. They have Washington. I, Cal, easy win for them. And then Arizona and then Utah. So it's it's not easy. It's it's not getting any easier. This beginning part where they played Cincinnati, Oklahoma's a tough one, Fresno State, and then Colorado, they're supposed to come out of that three and one. And they've so far they've come out 0 and 3. Right. And they're looking not hot against Colorado. Right, but you gotta consider that all these teams with new coaches had their coaches fired for a reason. It's because they weren't putting the product together on the field. There are rebuilds to take place when you hire a new coach, and you just got to let that happen. I think firing, well, maybe... Maybe Chip Kelly. Maybe the UCLA boosters will disagree with me, but I think you can't fire a coach after year one. Hmm. What if that coach goes 4-8 and in the Pac-12? You think that's okay? What was what was UCLA schedule or UCLA's record last year? I'm just looking at their schedule. I, I don't see a lot of games left that they can win. Because like this, I, I swear these Fresno State and Cincinnati games were supposed to, be, and Oklahoma, Oklahoma's not supposed to win that, but Colorado, some of their easier ones because they play Washington, Cal, Arizona, Utah, Oregon, Arizona State, SC, Stanford, running out. Okay. Uh, uh, they who, are who, they are who, running out. Who do they beat? Arizona. Ah, okay. Maybe maybe that's their one win of the season. They've got a true freshman quarterback doing a new offense and just so I'm gonna point to uh Michigan's two thousand eight season. Two thousand seven they went nine and four and uh in Lloyd Carr's last season and they lost to Oregon in a bad way. They lost to Appalachian State in a game we don't talk about. <laughs> they lost to Iowa and they lost to Ohio State. This was Lloyd Carr's last season. This is the season that people kind of got sick of. He he was able to retire and people were kind of planning for this to be his last season. But Michigan fans got sick of the lugubrious power uh, running offense that had nine men in the box. Yeah. Just, um, AKA what Stanford runs today. What Stanford runs today, exactly. And you know who they hired? Rich Rodriguez. And they went three and nine the next year in the ugliest season of Michigan football. Rich Rod still got three years. Yeah. You gotta give Chip Kelly a chance. Oh, and because just he's just as I say that UCLA jumped up seven zero. Um, yeah, we'll we'll see, we'll see. I, all I'm saying is that if they don't get this win against Colorado, the last eight games for them down the stretch, they don't look so good. You have a point there. So we'll see. Best of luck to Chip Kelly. I hope you don't get fired, but I think there's a good chance that you might if you go zero and twelve. Good point. Um. And yeah, that's our show. That's our show. Thank you for listening. Thank you to our prospective uh, sponsors. You see, we gave you a slot to say anything. You just got to reach out to us and we'll put your um, ads in. Follow us on Twitter. Follow We're... us on Twitter. Rate us five stars on 
Apple and Stitcher. Just give us a listen. Give Tell us a, your give friends. Us, give us a chance. Give us some feedback on Twitter. That's a dangerous. That's a dangerous place we're going, but uh, I think so. Yeah. All right. Have a good weekend. Let's go.